Hello. Thank you for joining us for another episode of This Week in AML. I'm John Byrne, Chair of the AMLRS Advisory Board. And I'm Elliot Berman, our Creative Director. We are excited to welcome you to the This Week in AML podcast, where we explore key news and developments in the global financial crime prevention community. Hi, John. How are you today? Hey, Elliot. How's it going? Good. Good. Um, it's a beautiful day here, and uh, we've had uh, a run of nice weather here in the Midwest, so that's, uh, that's a good thing at, uh, in late spring, early summer. So we're full uh, summer here. It's already, it's already, it's already yeah, 95 degrees. It's DC. What are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Just, uh, so you're running earlier in the morning to be, Oh yes, yes, yes. <laughs> that's a, that's a must. You can't go be running at noon around here unless, well, we'll leave it at that. Right. <laughs> so, um, recently the, uh, acting comptroller of the currency, um, Michael Sue um, gave a speech at the DC Blockchain Summit, um, and he titled it "Crypto: A Call to Reset and Recalibrate." Did you happen to see the transcript of those remarks? Yeah, I did, and I, I think one thing that we constantly struggle with in the AML community is trying to figure out, as we did years ago with you know money service businesses. Where, um, where you know, um, currency exchanger or, or crypto exchangers and and uh, and others sort of fit into our world. And while this is broader than that, this his his comments are obviously much broader than that. I think there's been so many stories in sort of the main press on crypto, and obviously in trade papers and and that sort of thing. That anytime a regulator speaks, I think it's it's pretty important, right? So. Um, when I saw those remarks, I noticed a couple things. Uh, number one, obviously, the fact that regulators speak at things like a blockchain summit is pretty important. So obviously, they're, of course, they're serious about understanding and oversight and all that. But also, it shows uh, that they are, you know, both doing their homework and trying to figure out where things fit. And looking at his comments. He didn't shy away from the fact, he says it right up front. He says, I'm a crypto skeptic. He didn't say he's against it. He said, I'm a skeptic. And he thought that it was important to sort of identify some of the things that happened recently and where that fits within his, his worldview, if you will, on cryptocurrency. Yes, uh, agreed. And, and, I, um, and you and I talked about this before we started recording, I think it's okay. Uh, in fact, I, uh, I'm more comfortable with, uh, at least in the U.S., the federal bank regulators and in other places around the world, for the regulators to be taking a cautious uh, uh, approach to how to integrate crypto and other virtual currencies into the overall financial markets to ensure safety and soundness. That's certainly a a primary issue in the U.S., primary regulatory requirement or obligation, and also stability in the financial markets because these are new new things and they have their own challenges as we've seen recently in in the most recent cycle of volatility and in some of the things that uh, acting 
uh, Comptroller Sue speaks about. Um, and those include um, uh, the fact that it's uh, that the, the marketplace for crypto is very fragmented and fragmented and that has made it more susceptible to uh, um, being hacked. Um, secondly, um, that there's a, um, there's a contagion component to, right. uh, to some of these things. They, he talked about the uh, Terra USD stablecoin, um, its collapse sparking uh, contagion to the largest stablecoin, which is called Tether, and to the broader ecosystem. Um, and then he talked about the fact that custody and ownership rights are underdeveloped for the size and scope and ambitions of the industry. That's a quote from his bullet points. And in there, he talks about the fact that one of the largest centralized exchanges in the United States disclosed as um, Terra USD was collapsing, that in the event um, that a bankruptcy was filed, um, that the users of the exchange could be at risk of becoming unsecured creditors. Right. For those of our listeners who uh, aren't familiar with that term, that means that they only have a claim on the general assets of the company, not on any specific assets. So it's not as if, you know, like at a bond shop where you're holding a bond in my name, if the bond shop collapses, I have a claim on my particular bond. The ownership of crypto and virtual currencies is just not been built out with that level of clarity, um, which is another stability issue. Right. And when you mentioned contagion, he makes it very clear that the fact that the OCC has had a cautious approach uh, has been proven correct, given that there has been no contagion after Terra from cryptocurrencies to tr traditional banking and finance. He said no banks are under stress or even rumored to be under stress because of the crypto exposure. So he, he argues that the OCC's oversight of traditional banks and, and emphasis on safety and soundness and consumer protection has, you know, with, withstood um, this and certainly other uh, stresses against the system. So I think um, he certainly believes that by continuing to be cautious, that's the way to better understand the market, the crypto market, and better understand how it interacts or how it interacts, where it interacts with the traditional banking system. Right. Um, he also um, spends a fair amount of time and one of his central themes in the conversation is the fact that a lot of the growth in uh, value of the cryptocurrencies has been driven by hype. And he, he zeroes in on, on again on Terra um, and talks about the fact that um, they, uh, they offered 20% uh, returns to holders who deposited their tokens on the Anchor protocol, which was the platform it was running on. And he describes it as um, this come for the yield approach is not unique to Terra. And so, uh, um, you know, if you think about 
other financial crises we've had in the past in the U.S., sometimes, you know, a, a discon- uh, disconnect between the fundamentals of finance and, and economics and how the marketplace was reacting have have fueled those things. And I think one of his points is that um, at least at this point, there's a lot more hype than fundamental in um, in these markets. And look, outside of what we're talking about in terms broadly of the economics of all this, how it fits in, uh, you know, to society on the AML CTF side, law enforcement is still very concerned about potential abuse of cryptocurrencies to move illicit funds. Obviously, they're not totally anonymous, as we know, and our folks in that area that are part of our AML community make that clear uh, and that there certainly are um, strong AML professionals that have been hired in that in that space. So all that's good. But I think we should be paying attention to what the regulators say about this outside of our own uh, AML backyard, if you will. So we, we care because of understanding about uh, the potential abuse, as we do in the traditional banking space. But I also think it's important, even if we're not experts on the economics of this, to listen to people like the uh, acting comptroller and what Janet Yellen has said and others have said, uh, what FATF is saying about this. They're looking at this and the, the, there's a new executive secretary and they, one of the primary priorities they said in that announcement is she's going to have to be paying attention to virtual assets and digital uh, issues and all of that besides everything else. So this, this is just another, another part of the challenge of being an AML professional is to understand this new and emerging area. Yeah. Um, which um, makes it exciting and a little bit crazy, but um, you know, that's really uh, what it's been like to be a member of the community for as long as you and I have been doing it. And uh, um, it's change isn't all bad, um, but it can be a little uh, mind bending at times. So uh, what do you got planned? Uh, I know you're talking to some people and we're going to post those things over the next uh, weeks? Uh, what would you like to, uh, to um, promo? Yeah, so a couple of things. Um, we're going to be talking to uh, an IRS uh, CI agent who's involved in um, cybersecurity. Uh, we're going to be talking to him about some cases that he's worked on. That'll be next week. Um, after that, our, uh, our game plan is to sit down with the expert, the world expert, I could say, without being hyperbolic, on asset forfeiture, Steph Casella, who's going to talk to us about how asset forfeiture uh, is such an important tool for prosecutors, law enforcement, and, uh, and others. And just a quick aside, I'd like to mention a, a, a colleague of ours from Homeland Security is leaving after 28 years with uh, that agency. That's Ray Villanueva. Ray helped us uh, greatly in putting together the AML Partnership Forum, and we'll stay connected. But Ray is uh, leaving uh, Homeland Security. He's going to go, uh, we don't know what his next steps are, but he's going to continue to be part of the AML community. So I wanted to give a shout out to Ray because of all the great work he's done and his support for partnership. I mean, that's that to me, like Don Ford on our advisory board, it's just so important that we continue uh, to, to move uh, the notion of private-public partnership in the AML space. And Ray was certainly a model for that. Agreed. Yes. Uh, Ray, good luck in your next endeavor, or if your next endeavor is uh, 
truly retirement, good luck at that too. So, uh, all right, John, I will talk to you next week. You have a great weekend and, um, and I'll talk to you soon. All right, Elliot, stay safe. Yep. You too. Bye-bye.